0: welcome to the james river church podcast you're about to hear another inspirational message it's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life i'm so honored to be here and uh, you know people say it feels like family feels like family well this isn't like family this is family and um you know If you're visiting here and this is your first time, I just want to let you know right off the bat, this isn't normal what you see. This isn't normal what you're experiencing. This is a tremendous move of God. And this is nothing short of a supernatural manifestation of the presence of Jesus. And moments like this don't just happen. Moments like this happen because of leaders that are willing to steward the presence of God. And so can we put our hands together for your incredible pastor, you. Pastor John, Pastor David, yeah. and wherever there is an anointing and a grace for healing, there comes great attacks from the leaders and their bodies. And I just need you to know this because it's, it's sacred what we are experiencing but it comes with a cost. And every single week they step up here on this platform, they say yes, understanding the assignment that God has placed on them and understanding everything that comes with it and they still say yes. And that's special. And so one more time, can we put our hands together for them? Thank you so much, appreciate it. Now, while you're standing, can we put our hands together for Jesus? Thank you, Lord. He's so good. I want you to grab your word very quickly. I want to read to you a passage of scripture while you're still standing on your feet. Then I'm gonna pray and then we'll unpack this scripture that God has placed on my heart for us today. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 21. And If you've been in or around church for any period of time, you understand Hebrews chapter 11 is what we call the hall of faith. And it's really a memorial of great men and women who have encountered hardship, endured hardship, and overcome hardship, and today we're going to look at verse 21 and unpack this thought that God has given me. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21, when you're there, say, I'm there. You're not there yet, say, wait on me, wait on me, wait on me. I don't hear any wait on me, so we're going to read. It says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. I want to preach for a moment from the subject matter I remember. Let's pray. Dimly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your presence that goes with us. And God, we Don't take it for granted that we are able to share moments like this in your presence where we are changed and transformed and renewed in our mind, God, and refreshed in our spirit. And so right now, God, we ask that across all of our locations, each and every person that hears this, God, online, whenever they may watch this, whenever they may hear this, wherever they are in the world, we thank you that your presence would meet them right where they are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can take your seats. I've had the honor and the privilege of uh, being with our men for Stronger Men's Conference uh, for the last two conferences. And, and we've been having a dialogue and conference, and, and I know ladies. Uh, you haven't had the opportunity to eavesdrop on those uh, sessions, but, but I'm going to let you in and, and kind of bring you up to speed on, on something about me. I am a documentary fanatic. I mean, I love documentaries. Today, me and my son were super excited. It's the start of Shark Week. And do, do I have anybody that's, that's fans of Shark Week? Oh, my gosh. He is a shark fanatic. Last year during Shark Week, we watched this documentary special about the world's largest great white shark, and the shark's name was Blue. And uh, he said, you know, Dad, what happens if you jump in the water with Blue? I said, well, son, you become a snack. And... um, You know, if me or you get in there, it's just one inhale and we are with Jesus. That's it. He said, well, what does that really mean? I said, well, we don't want to find out. And so we we will continually do what God has called us to do and stay out of that part of the ocean. Amen. (laughs) And so tonight kicks off Shark Week. But I I came across this documentary around the same time uh, that Shark Week kind of kicked off last year. And it was entitled The Boy Who Could Not Forget. And it, it, it followed this teenager named Arielan Heyman. And, and you can research this. And the, the fascinating thing about this young man is from the time he was born to uh, present day, he did not forget anything. Every single thing that happened to him in life, he remembered. His parents were so taken aback by this, they took him to go uh, to. Have his brain researched by doctors and scientists and uh, they decided to put his brain under the scan and really kind of figure out what was going on and he sat in the office with these researchers and these researchers uh, begin to ask him questions uh, just kind of out of the blue to see if he could recall uh, every single detail about every single uh, memory that he had and so they begin to ask him about his second birthday. And uh, they asked him what happened, and, and to their surprise and their amazement, he remembered every single detail about his second birthday. He said, well, when, when it was morning time, I remember it began to snow, which was, which was very weird in that particular season. It was from England. And he said, I, I went and I got my favorite red coat, and I put it on, and I went outside, and I played in the snow. And they're sitting here, and little uh, does he know, they have a picture of his second birthday. And everything that he says that he had on, they're looking at the picture, and he, in fact, had it on. And so every single memory that he had was always attached to an emotion, whether it was a good memory or whether it was a bad memory. And and as he was talking about his second birthday, uh, he began to smile. He began uh, to really reflect and relive the moment that he was remembering and so they began to ask him other questions, and the researchers got finished, and he went to scientists, and the scientists began to run all these tests on him, and the doctors began to run all these tests on him, and they came to the conclusion that he has a condition called hyperthymasia, and this condition is uh, simply the condition where you don't forget anything. I mean, you don't forget anything. Husbands, I know we think our wives don't forget anything, uh, but this young man really remembered Every single thing. And then they did more research about this, this, this really kind of interesting condition. And they found out that every person within a couple of hundred yards of where he stayed that was in the same age frame also had the same thing. And every time they reflected or every time they remembered, it was attached to an emotion. And as I'm watching this, I thought to myself, wouldn't it be awesome if as a collective group of people, we don't remember all things, but we can remember one thing that God has done for us, and it connects us to an emotion where we understand, if it had not been for God on our side, Where in the world would we be? Where in the world would we be left? If it had not been for the grace of Jesus Christ, what would we still be stuck in? But it's because of his grace and his mercy that bought me out of the pit I was in and set my feet on solid ground that I am who I am. And I can't think or remember those certain things and those certain memories without it being connected to some emotion. That's that's why our wives remember everything, men, because every memory is connected to an emotion. They can remember something you did 15 years ago because it's connected to an emotion. Our minds, men, are like malls. It's it's, it's this big old hallway of nothingness. Then we have department stores where we keep stuff. Women's minds are like Costco's. They know where everything is in bulk, But but wouldn't it be awesome if what we could remember that Jesus saved us from was connected to some type of amazing emotion? See, the reality of our life is we have a tendency of going back to the last place we created a memory of passion. That's why for some of us, we continually go back to the thing that we promised ourselves we wouldn't because it's the last place we created a great memory at. That's why a lot of us continue to go back to the thing that we told God we would never go back to because it's the last place we created a memory at. And I know you're trying to figure out what in the world does this have to do with the scripture that you read. Well, it has everything to do with the scripture that I read because the scripture that I read is talking about remembering. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21, it says, while Jacob was dying, he laid hands on his grandsons worshiping on the edge of his staff. And as I read that passage of scripture, I thought to myself, there has to be more here than what I'm reading. There, there has to be something here that I can't see on the surface. And so I started to do some digging and start to do some research. And I came across this article of this uh, Hebraic and, and Jewish scholar. His name is Carl Bredel. And he went over to Israel and uh, when he was walking through the museum, he came across this Clear box of staffs, and on the staff was all these markings of all these different things. And so he asked uh, the the person that was kind of taking him through the museum on a tour guide, "What are these?" And he said, "Well, these are the staffs that belong to uh, Jewish kids." And he said, "Well, what are all these markings on the staff?" He said, "Well, every kid at the age of two is given a staff because in this particular day and age, there were no notebooks, there were no pens, there were no pads, there were no iPhones, there were no." iPads and so they had to have something to mark their memories and today I have my Home Depot version of a staff but as we look at this passage of scripture we see Jacob also known as Israel leaning on the top of his staff if you're taking notes I want you to write this down point number one If you're going to move forward in faith, you have to remember to forget some things. You have to remember to forget. How many got some things in your life that you don't care to remember? How many of you got some virgins of yourself that you don't care to reflect on? How many of you have some instances, some circumstances, some situations and seasons that you could, could forget and not think about anymore? If you're going to move forward in faith, you have to remember to forget. I call this selective memory. My five-year-old son who's with me, he has this. He has selective memory. I told him yesterday, hey, I want you to eat your food. I saw he wasn't eating his food. I called him over to the table and said, what you doing, man? He said, I'm over there playing. So you're supposed to be eating. He said, oh. I said, oh. I just told you two minutes ago, eat your food. He said, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't hear you. He goes back to the table. He gets the plan again. I call him back over to the table and I said, Max, you're supposed to be eating your food. Oh. I said, son, don't you embarrass me in this restaurant. You better get over there, eat your food. But, but isn't it amazing how as kids we have selective memory? When you, when you discipline a kid or you correct a kid, the next day they, they don't even remember what happened. This is the reality of our lives. If God has forgiven us of our sins and he's forgotten our sins, how come we don't? In order for us to move forward in faith, we have to have selective memory. We have to think about the things that God has done for us, but we also have to forget the things that we did in our yesterday that did not disqualify us from our today. Hear me, family, whenever we take steps forward in faith, the enemy will always try to remind us of what we did. Isn't it awesome that God knows our sin, but he calls us by name? But isn't it crazy how the enemy knows our name, but he always calls us by our sin? He he tries to keep in front of us what we did, and, and you need to hear this loud and clear. You are not what you have done. You say, well, Pastor, how can you say that? It's because of selective memory. I have the ability to remember what God has done for me, and I have the ability to forget who I was not when I was not with God. The scripture Jacob is talking about, he's telling us you have to make a memory. How do we make a memory? We have to stay in the presence of God long enough to make a memory. Are you listening to me? We have to stay in the presence of God long enough to make a memory. Why is this so important? Because we tend to go back to the last place we made a great memory. That's why some of you continue to go to the same restaurant because it was the first restaurant you and your sweet thing went to. That's why some of you continue to go back to the same ice cream place because it was one of the first places you took your sweet thing on a date. We have a tendency of going back to the first thing that we created a memory at. And so, in order for us, To forget those things that we should forget, we have to stay long enough in the presence of God to create a new memory. That's why it was so easy for the prodigal son to return home. He had lost his money, he had lost his possessions. He had lost his clothes. He had lost his friends, but he did not lose his memory. So although he was away from the place he was supposed to be, he did not forget how to find his way back home. Why could he find his way back home? Because it was the last place that he created a good memory. And I'm telling you, no matter where you are in your journey, no matter where you are in your walk, as long as you can remember how to get back to the house of God, God will help you create a new memory here. And every single memory, you have to have your mind made up that you are going to mark your staff. I love what Pastor John was doing earlier, reading the testimonies and those moments of healing because it allows us to mark our staff. It it allows us to mark down areas and situations and seasons in other people's lives where we're waiting on the miracle to happen for us. And this is what we have to know about God. God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of principles. And what God has done for others, he has the same ability, the same authority, the same power to do for you. So although it has not happened for you, you yet you better believe what you are believing for what you are anticipating what you are expecting is on the way you say how do you know it's on the way pastor because his word says that his word cannot return into him void So if God has released it and you have not received it, that means what you've been praying for is in proximity. And the thing that we have to realize is that my blessing moves towards me at the speed of my obedience. And for some of us, it's just taking a step of faith out of our comfort zone and doing something differently than how we've done it before. And I'm telling you, every step that we take allows us to mark down a brand new memory. So every time we see a staff in the Bible, it's a representation of something far deeper. So when God asked Moses in Exodus chapter 4, what do you have in your hand? God was not asking Moses, what do you have in your hand? Because he could not see. God was asking Moses, what do you have in your hand? As a reminder to Moses that your life is a life full of testimonies and although you can't see what I'm doing in this moment, look at your staff because it will bring to you testimonies of faith to build where you are right now and get you to where you need to be. So Moses responds to God, listen to me, all all I have is my staff. Because at this particular junction, Moses had lost everything. As a matter of fact, the sheep that he was tending to wasn't even his. Those were his father-in-laws. And so the only thing that Moses had going from the palace to the pit was his staff. And God asked him to lay his staff down. And on his staff was every mark from the time he had received it, from the time that he was standing in front of it, It was a mark of the faithfulness of God, and it represented his life. And so when he laid his staff down, it represented him laying his life down. And God is asking us today, can we lay our lives down? Can we lay down the identities that we've created for ourselves, the image that we've made for ourselves, who we think we are, so that we could be who we are becoming in and through Christ Jesus? And when he laid his staff down, God transformed his staff. And when you lay your life down, God has the power to transform your life into something you don't have the power to transform it into. When you lay your life down, God has the ability and the know-how to bring about healing in your life. When you don't have the power to heal yourself, when you lay down your life, God has the ability to restore something you don't have the ability to restore. And God told Moses after he transformed it to pick it back up again. This is what we have to understand. Whatever God touches... God transforms. And whatever God transforms can never be the same again. We must understand that the enemy can read your story, but he can't write your story. And one of the only things that the enemy can't touch is your memories. See, I'm living... Off of the memories of my father and my grandfather and my great-grandfather. Because memories are one of the only things that live beyond us. Your kids, your great-grandkids, your great-great-grandkids will talk about the things that you have done because your memories live beyond you. The enemy cannot take your memories. So why not make memories in the presence of the Lord? Moses has his staff and every single time God showed up he marked his staff every single plague that God delivered on Moses marked his staff. He marked his staff when the frogs came. He marked his staff when the locusts came. He marked his staff when the river turned into blood. He marked his staff when the angel of death came. Every single time that God showed up, he marked his staff. So when he's standing in front of the Red Sea, and the word of God tells us, he lifts up his staff. He's not lifting up his staff as a magic wand to open up the Red Sea. He's lifting up his staff to look over it, to build his faith, and to tell himself if God showed up here and he showed up here, here, and he showed up here, and he showed up here. Surely he'll show up again. And I wonder, am I talking to anybody this morning that believes that God has been good to me in my past? He's been good to me in my today. Surely he'll be good to me in my tomorrow. And every single time God has showed up, He's been faithful to me. He's been good to me. I remember I couldn't bring myself up, but God did. If you believe that, let me hear you say Yeah. He's looking at his staff as he's holding it over the Red Sea as a testimony and the faithfulness of God showing himself. God has been good to me in my path. Surely he'll be good enough to open up this Red Sea for us and bring us out of where we are and take us over to the other side. But for some of us, it's hard for us to create a memory in the presence of God because we don't feel like we're good enough. We don't like to do things that we think we fail at. That's why some of us don't pray, because we compare our prayers to other people's prayers, and we think that God doesn't hear us the same way that he hears others. Let me help you with this, family. It's impossible to get your prayers answered when you've already assumed what you think God is going to say. In order to walk out this life with Jesus by faith, you have to take steps into the dark and allow him to be the light that guides you. Oh, family, listen to me. There's, there's going to be some seasons and situations and circumstances that happen in your life that you don't know the outcome, but you know who does. And so you have to fully trust your life with him and look back over your spiritual staff and say, he was faithful then. He's been faithful now. Surely he'll be faithful in my tomorrow. Amen. Point number two. I want you to hear this. Each day is God's gift to you, but what you do with it is your gift to God. God did not create you to copy someone. God created you to become someone. I wanna point something out to you that I had never thought of or read before as it pertains to this passage of scripture and the staff. But it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 38. Look at this. It says, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, and he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on David's head. And David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to it. Look at what David says to Saul. I cannot go in these because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Look at what he does. Then he took his what? Staff in his hand. And then he chose five smooth stones. And then he put them in the shepherd's bag with his sling in his hand. And then he approached the Philistine. So before David collected his weapon, He collected his memories. But before you advance in faith, you have to reflect the victories that God has already given you. Hear me, family. If you don't schedule your victories, your defeats will schedule themselves. David had made up in his mind, before I collect my weapon, I'm going to collect my memories because my memories build my faith off of the faithfulness of God before I sling this slingshot I'm going to allow myself to remember that God not only gave me the victory over a bear and God not only gave me the victory over a lion and if God can give me victory over those two things which were supposed to kill me and take me out surely God will give me victory over Goliath and I wonder is there anybody listening to me right now that can remember something that was supposed to take you out something that was supposed to overwhelm you but somehow God overwhelmed what was over overwhelming you and you had a marking on your spiritual staff and you remembered the testimony and the faithfulness and the diligence and the endurance of God. And so David is collecting his thoughts as he's collecting his stones. He's collecting his memories before he collects his weapon. We have to remember in order for us to advance in faith, We have to be uniquely and authentically who God called us to be and not try to live our lives in the copy or in the rearview mirror of someone else. That's why in Psalms, really beginning in one of my favorite passages, chapter 23, verse 1, listen to this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Hear me, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me." Have you ever thought to yourself, how in the world can a rod and a staff comfort somebody when they're in the lowest moment of their life, when they're going through battle, when they feel defeated, because it's the staff that reminded him of the faithfulness of God. When he's going through the valley, he's can at his staff and saying, "I've been through other valleys before, but God has brought me through them. I've been through other trials before, but God has brought me through them. I've been through other hurdles and obstacles before, but every single time I've been through something, God allowed me to go through something." And the reality is, is you're not going to stay in the valley; you're going to walk through the valley. You're not going to stay in the fire; you're going to walk through the fire. You're not going to stay in the flood; you're going to walk through the flood. Why do I know you're going to walk through it? Because He is faithful, and every time you think of His faithfulness. It builds a little bit more courage. It builds a little bit more faith. It builds a little bit more knowing and and revelation that you are not going to be overwhelmed by what's trying to overwhelm you, but you serve a heavenly Father that can overwhelm it. Which brings me to point number three. Point number three is this. Progress apart from purpose, gives birth to pride. Progress apart from purpose gives birth to pride. When we read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21, we see Jacob in one of the most humble postures we've ever seen him through scripture. Theologians believe that as Jacob is praying the staff that he has, he's leaning on right on his heart. And as he's blessing his grandsons, he has the staff in between him and his hands crossed on their head. At this particular junction in Jacob's life, he could not see. He he was blind, but he could feel. And he could take himself back down memory lane of every single time God was faithful in his life. And every single time he did something foolish and he knew he should have been killed. But God spread his life. Every single time he was on a run and God gave him a place to hide. Every single time he walked away from God. But yet and still God was right where he left him. Jacob being blind, not being able to see, he was still able to feel. And I believe that at this particular stage in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21, Jacob was reminding himself of how many times God delivered him, how many times God redeemed him, how many times God set him free, how many times God repositioned him to become Israel, how many times God came and showed up right in the nick of time, how many times he walked away from God, but God gave him the ability to walk back to him. He is remembering because he understands that progress aside from purpose gives birth to pride. One of my life sayings is any blessing or any breakthrough that I receive that I don't turn back into praise eventually turns into pride. That's why it says that leaning on the top of his staff, Jacob worships because he remembers the faithfulness of God.